Hi, I'm Mary Beth, and this is my mom. Hi, I'm Katie. For practical motherly wisdom, I don't know, ask my mom. Thank you for tuning in today to I Don't Know, Ask My Mom. We've got a great topic to unpack today. A listener sent in a question that I'm going to read to you guys. It says, my 16-month-year-old son is a ball of energy, always bouncing off the walls and disobedient, doesn't want to take naps, throws tantrums, and can't focus for more than just a few minutes before squirming and racing off to do something else. I feel so out of control, like he rules and I'm constantly trying to pacify him. It seems like other moms aren't facing all these issues I am. What can I do to change so that we have more of a routine, so my son is happier and more calm? And what cues can I take from him to understand what he needs and wants? My heart goes out to this young mom. It's really difficult to find yourself in a situation like that. And there's a few things I would just uh, cue in on real quickly, and that would be diet Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and um, sleep and a routine around some boundaries. Okay. Let's, let's unpack those. So maybe start with diet. Okay. So um, a lot of Americans eat a lot of processed foods right now and that processed foods lack nutrition and they're, they really irritate um, your gut, which can make for Mm -hmm. a fussy child. Uh, A child like that is metabolizing food so quickly. They need probably more than three meals a day and high protein snacks with good fruits and vegetables. Um, You want a rainbow of colors. You don't want just like a bland you know, white meal with potatoes, potato chips, French fries, Mm -hmm. that, you know, a lot of starches, macaroni and cheese. Um, You want things like uh, a piece of salmon or some tuna or uh, a little bit of chicken or a hard boiled egg or some oatmeal. And then, you know, maybe some berries, blueberries, Mm. raspberries, a little bit of banana now and then. Um, And whatever fruit and vegetable is in season, where you're living is a really good way to start with children. Mm. One thing I will say right here, right now is a disclaimer that neither of us are nutritionists um, and neither of us are doctors. So these are our opinions based off of experience and gained knowledge over our lifetimes and things that we've gathered over our own health journeys. So we'll put some links in the description, but please do your own research and consult your doctors before you make any major changes. All right. That disclaimer aside. A simple, right. A simple Google search of what should my toddler be eating Mm -hmm. would probably direct you to that kind of a diet. And Mm -hmm. most people are saying now do not eat processed foods and just Mm -hmm. forget fast food. Don't, you know, eat in the car, eat at home with your children. You know, that's a good place to start. Um, Mm. Organic is always good. It's the best. Yes. Well, that's something I learned actually in the past few years that really was a game changer for me as far as why organic, like what makes organic different. And for many years, I remember shopping in the grocery store and knowing that organic fruits and vegetables were supposed to be better for me. But to be honest, looking at them in the store, 
they often don't look as good. And sometimes they're, you know, maybe it could have been the store that I was at, but I would kind of look at them and for some reason, the shinier, more sparkly, non-organic apple looked better than the organic one. And, but then I listened to Ty Bollinger who started the truth about cancer. He did this quest for the cure, which we'll link. It's amazing. And there's a whole docu-series that really blew my mind and influenced a lot of how I take care of myself. But one lesson that I learned there was if you think of a organic plant, versus a non-organic plant. Let's use apples, for instance. The non-organic apple tree gets all this help from pesticides to fight off pests uh, during you know, the months of the year where they're growing. Um, the plant doesn't have to courageously you know, fight it off on its own. So in the opposite, obviously I'm saying this in a very layman's way, um, I'm sure a botanist could explain this better than me, but the organic apple tree, just think of it having to fight on its own uh, to make it through the hard months with uh, pests that are attacking it or the weather that's attacking it. And think of that apple as a fighter, a survivor, and it's, it's that much more nutrient dense. So now when I look at apples, I look at the overall vitamin nutrient makeup that a non-organic apple has. And it totally, to me now, tastes like crunchy water. Like it's so lackluster, so bland versus an organic apple that is robust and crisp and luscious and sweet and has so many vitamins. So the last thing here I'll say is the the way I've been looking at food has really changed drastically as I think about my own health and how food, we really do become what we eat and the nutrients that we take in, you know, our cells process them and they literally come out to our biggest organ, our skin. So we literally do, you know, why do you think when you have so much, so many carrots, well, I'm kind of a bunny, so I love carrots and I have carrot juice a lot, but people do like, you can turn orange from having like too many, like it literally comes out into your biggest organ. And so when, you know, people have a diet of just a fast food or um, processed foods, just think that's what is becoming your body. So if you care about your health, you care about your body, give it, think of your food as medicine and you want the most nutrient packed foods, superfoods in your diet. That's right. And most of our fast foods and processed foods have so little nutrition. Uh, there are a lot of bulk mm. and that's very hard on a little child to process and really get the, the nutrition that they need. And they're growing. They're just growing like weeds. I mean, mm -hmm. they, ask any mom of a toddler. They're, you know, you're in the next size clothes before you know it. Mm. And they what need about, good nutrition for that. What about sugar, like processed sugar? Wow. I, <laughs> I just say no. <laughs> no, in our yeah. house, the only sugar in our house is for my hummingbird feeder. Mm. So we don't eat sugar. We don't even eat honey and agave and maple syrup and all those different things um, at our house. 
-hmm. We don't eat white flour either. A lot of our white foods are just not good. So why don't you eat sugar? sugar Definitely. Why don't I? Uh, It messes with your brain. Mm -hmm. Um, It's very addictive and there's no nutrition in it. And natural sweetness tastes so much better than sugar sweetness. Totally. And I noticed um, I have not had processed sugar or flour in my diet for over a decade. And I do remember distinctly when I would have sugary foods or even bread, like on a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, I would instantly feel inflamed. It was as if each cell in my body just blew up with water and I just felt puffy and gross and tired and hot and bothered, just irritable. And I think what's so sad is a lot of people don't realize how much our food and diet play into that. So just some things to think about. Any other notes on diet for this little boy or should we move on? Well, I think that let's move on. Okay. I think I'd like to talk about sleep. A lot of our children right now are just chronically tired. They do not get enough hours sleep in a given day. And again, you can go online and do a search. How many hours should my 16 month old be sleeping, you know, Mm -hmm. within 24 hours Mm -hmm. and They're probably shy two to three hours of sleep that they need. Um, A child that age could easily be sleeping 12 hours at night from, I always say seven to seven is a good schedule for a child that age, that they should be asleep. They should be sleeping through the night and then up for a while and Mm -hmm. taking another good nap during the day. So... We've all seen the toddler at Target or wherever just throwing a fit and so upset. And the mom's, you know, at her wits end with this child. And oh, yeah. Sometimes yelling at them or giving them a piece of candy to pacifying them or opening a bag of Cheetos to give them to try totally. to quiet them down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And really, that child is just exhausted. Really? Absolutely exhausted. Yes. And they just need more sleep. And mm. our mothers are, are really not taught a lot on how to catch their baby's cues if they're sleepy. Mm-hmm. And so they think maybe the child is fussy. I mean, or, or just like being a brat yeah. or is the, the terminology I'll hear a mom use, or he's just throwing a temper tantrum. Well, mm-hmm. the child is tired. And if you can catch them, uh, get them on a really good schedule and catch them before they get that fussiness. You can easily get them down for a nap. I was talking with a mom recently about how hard it was to get her kids down for a nap. And yeah. part of it is she was waiting too long. Mm. Um, when you wait beyond the time when a child should go down for a nap, they get uh, a rush of adrenaline through their system. And it's, it really agitates oh, them. Yeah. And they need to be roughhousing and running around and throwing their arms around and jumping to get the adrenaline out and they, they can't go to sleep. Um, this mom told me how she'd put her child down for a nap and he'd fuss and cry for an hour. Well, yeah, cause it, it can take an 60 to 90 minutes for that adrenaline to, you know, work its way out of their system till they can finally go to sleep. And then when she was telling me about the time this child finally does go to sleep, it's really time for them to get up because it's, you know, time for dinner. 
and she doesn't want him sleeping through dinner. So it's, you kind of need to go back and start. I, I really like it when I can start with a family from day one and teach them how to understand when their baby needs to sleep. And then it just kind of goes from there. And then when they're a toddler, they're getting enough sleep. Do you have any tips or tricks for like, how would you start that kind of a routine or yeah, I don't know. What are there like certain cues that most kids emit that <laughs> show that they're tired or what? Talk about that a little bit. Right. So cues for when your child is tired is uh, really different age they are like an infant. It would be the long blink or a yawn. Um, when they get a little bit older, they'll be rubbing their eyes. Fussiness is always a really good cue that they're tired. And with a 16 month old, I think maybe if you just start a routine that that would be a good cue. But actually, because by the time you get to the child being fussy and you can't satisfy their wants and they're, they're wanting this, they're wanting this, you know, other thing. And they're just bouncing off the walls. It's beyond the time. So Mm -hmm. you've got to step that back. So starting maybe with a routine of having the child go to bed at seven o'clock at night, and hopefully they're sleeping through the night. I always like Mm -hmm. to say seven to seven is a really good sleep schedule for a child that age. And, you know, they're up in the morning. Uh, Hopefully they've got some outside activities. Uh, Almost year round, you can get your child outside every day, get some good fresh air, and, you know, enjoy that with them and have lunch. And after lunch, boy, it's nap time and you have a wind down time. You know, maybe you set a timer for 15 minutes and say, 15 minutes, we're going to go in your bedroom and we're going to read a short story. So maybe you have like a five minute cool down or a short story with the child. And then it's time for them to settle down and go to sleep. And some children will just slide right into this and others are going to fight it. So it's just beginning the routine, uh, maybe in the morning, talking your child through the day. This is what we're going to do today. This morning, mom has to do a little bit of grocery shopping. So we're going to go to the store. And I actually have two stores to go to. And after that, we're going to stop at the playground. And you can go down the slide a few times. And you can swing a little bit. And then we're going to come home for lunch. And after lunch, we'll have a story. And we'll go to bed and take a nap. We both need a nap. And you know, just talk to them mm-hmm. like that. Let them know what the mm-hmm. day is like. And that helps right there. It sounds like it helps to prepare the kid and to talk to them. Even maybe I would say like whatever age they are, because even if they. Yes. What I gather is even if they can't communicate to you, they can still understand. Is that right? Absolutely. When I, yes. When I'm working with a newborn, I talk to the newborn as though they have complete understanding. We really don't know when babies understand. We know they can hear at about 10 weeks gestation. And we also know that parents that uh, only use sign language, Mm -hmm. that their children are communicating back with them at about eight months. Wait, rewind. You said um, they can hear at 10 weeks gestation. (laughs) So 10 weeks inside you, they can hear you. Right. That's why you should talk to your baby the whole time you're pregnant, sing to them, 
you know, if you know their name, call them by name. Um, wow, you know, they, so they know your voice. Hmm. Isn't that special? That is incredible. I mean, I know I see, I, I'm not pregnant. My husband and I don't have any kids, but I even remember when mom, when you were pregnant with Emily, I remember talking to your belly, but I guess I didn't realize how early they could recognize your voice. That is amazing. Right. Mm. Okay. So going back, so sleep, was there anything else you wanted to cover on sleep? Well, just making sure your baby's getting enough sleep. And what was your point that you wanted to talk about with boundaries? What do you mean by that? Boundaries. Oh, boundaries. Oh, I've got a fun little story about boundaries. Boundaries make children feel safe. Hmm. And children work really well in a structured environment, okay. uh, in a, an environment where they know how far they can go and what rules there are. Um, let me give you this example. So I live in Seattle and in mm-hmm. Seattle, we have a space needle. And if you don't know what the space needle is, look it up online. <laughs> it's a really tall, uh, a structure that was built for the world's fair, I think in 1963 mm-hmm. and up at the top of the space needle, there's an observation deck and you can walk out on this observation deck. They recently mm-hmm. redid some of it and it's nicer than it's ever been before. So up there, there's a couple different ways that you can look out and see our beautiful uh, Mount Rainier and the Puget Sound and the city of Seattle. And you can be inside the glass structure and not experience the weather at all. And you can enjoy it all. And you can walk the 360, you know, view of the whole thing. But you can also walk out onto this observation deck where the wind is howling and, you know, it's just, it's gorgeous, but you can experience, um, you know, the full being outside environment. And because there is a beautiful glass uh, barrier, you feel safe up there. Mm-hmm. Um, but even that, it, it can be kind of intimidating. And mm-hmm. some people, even though they walk out on the observation deck, they'll still hang close to, um, to the door. Uh, there's maybe, oh, the observation deck is maybe, uh, eight feet wide. And some people yeah. are way up close, uh, you know, to the, the back wall and some are going to be right up on the edge. And they want to see as far over as they can. And some will even go so far as to put their nose on the glass and <laughs> let's, let's, let's you know, <laughs> see how far I can look over it, you know, and they feel safe because that observation deck is built so firmly. Hmm. So if suppose you're out there on that observation deck and you touch that glass barrier mm-hmm. and if that glass barrier moved even slightly, even mm-hmm. just a 16th of an inch, it would scare the living life yeah. out of you. You, yeah. you would jump back and run as quick as you could back inside totally. and get down yeah. to the solid ground. It would be very terrifying. That kind of an example is what I like to use with children. There are some children that are going to stay on the inside. They're, they're not even going to go out on the observation deck. They're just mm-hmm. going to look from you know, a ways back. There's other children that want to go out on the observation deck. Mm-hmm. And then there's others that want to push against the glass. Um, and if, you know, and, and some that push against the glass, they need to do that every day. 
They need to do that several times a day. And they want to make sure that that barrier is still there. And any time that barrier moves, it just fills them full of fear. And some parents, oh, I hear this. It just grieves my heart. If you do that one more time, I'm going to, and they'll lay down a rule. I'm going to do blah, 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 blah. Well, the child immediately does it again. And then the parent doesn't do that. It's pretty scary for a child because their authority, the person that's guiding them and leading them in life has just told them something, but then that something wasn't there. It, it wasn't wow. true. It didn't happen. Yeah, that wall So moved. first of all, as a parent, be, <laughs> yeah, so as a parent, be really careful what you say to your child. When you make a rule or a declaration, be sure it's something you're going to follow through with. Be sure it's reasonable. Mm. You know, don't say something like, I think I've said to my children at one time or another, you're on restriction till Jesus comes. <laughs> Definitely. I think Jesse got that like four times. So, you know, it, it's better to say you're in a lot of trouble with me. Go jump on the trampoline for 15 minutes. You know, that, that's a better mm. punishment. Or if you do that again, you're going to, you know, be in the corner for five minutes, however old they are. If they're four years old, they can be on like a four minute timeout. That's kind of a, mm. a good thing to think about. That's about how far they can can handle something like that. Um, mm. So, yeah, be really careful. A lot of times... It, you know, I think it's especially the mom that has a strong-willed child that every day, several times a day, is pushing against the, the barrier, the boundary. They want to know that it's secure and the same. Sometimes you can look at that child and say, wow, that's kind of an insecure child because it, he needs, he, she needs to know all the time that that, that barrier, that boundary that protection there is there for them and it's not going to move and it's always going to be the same. Mm. Um, I think if you explain it that way, sometimes to a mom, maybe it gives them a little better understanding Mm. of what their child is looking for. Um, In general, kids like a pattern. They like a routine. They like to know every day we're going to do this. We're going to get up and eat breakfast. We're going to go to the park. We're going to get outside. Um, You know, we're going to come home and have some lunch. I'm going to take a nap and I'm going to go, you know, get up and soon dad will be home for dinner. And, you know, if they kind of have an idea of how their life is going to go, they feel a lot more secure. But when moms are running here and there and to and fro and going everywhere, it, it's kind of hard on a child sometimes. Mm. That's really interesting to think about it all that way. And Hopefully, these are some really big, really helpful ideas and answers you gave. Is there anything else you want to, any other tips for our listener who sent in the question? Well, um, well, I'm trying to think of, did we cover everything that was in the question towards the end? I think she was, the gal was asking for some cues. Yeah. What Um, cues can I take from my son to understand what he needs and wants? do cues look different for hunger and exhaustion and yeah, maybe talk about that. Right. Well, I'd kind of say what's going on right then at that time in that day. Hmm. You know, did you talk to your child earlier in the day and say, Hey, mom has got some errands to run today. We need to go 
to Target. And um, should they give me some money for saying their names? Often? <laughs> no, I'm just being funny. Um, you know, tell the child ahead of time, we are going to do this, this, and this. And in between, we're going to stop at the park for a few minutes and we're going to play on the swings, you know, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but sometimes moms can get so driven by their agenda that they're really not paying attention to the needs of their child. Did they go beyond the time when the child should have had something to eat? Did they, uh, you know, did they listen to their child? Does their child maybe need to um, use the toilet or uh, there's just so much, you know, Mm. and a 16 month old, uh, they're getting to the point where sometimes when they want to have a bowel movement, even though they're doing it in their diaper, they like to go hide in another room or stand behind really? the couch or a chair. No oh, way. yes. Yes. Well, and so maybe they're sitting in their car seat and that's a hard place to, to do that. So there's so much to think about your child before you just like run off and do stuff. Um, when I'm working with a family, um, I talk to them about having a schedule for their baby during the day, their child, and then when you uh, make an appointment, consider your child's schedule when you make that appointment. Don't just take, oh, the next one. They say, oh, yeah, we have one at 1020 on this date. And you're like, oh, wow, that's right when I'm putting my infant down for a nap. So what do you have going on at one? You know, ask. You don't have to just take whatever you're given and consider how it's going to affect your family. So, you know, that's part of the the other hard thing is motherhood is kind of devalued. And so in our current culture, so we don't put a lot of time sometimes or uh, real planned concern into being a good mother. And what does that look like for our family and our children? Mm. I think it is hard knowing that you know, I had been working a lot of high powered, high energy jobs and you very quickly on the daily get feedback, whether it's good or bad from your boss, from your coworkers. And I know how impactful that is to have a great day and to feel valued and purposeful and to have those kudos that you get for doing a good job. And I think what's so hard today, especially when you're a mom and maybe you're home alone with your kid, that there's no one giving you those kudos necessarily. There's no one seeing the hard work that you do and being like, wow, thanks for doing the laundry. You know, you did great. Or there's just not the same sense of purpose maybe that as a culture we glorify or magnify. So it is a very, could be an isolating experience. Right. And there's nobody there saying, wow, you are loving your child and their brain is growing while Mm. you're loving them. And in a loving environment, this child is learning how to deal with fear and anger. Um, Mm. That's not the same kind of kudos that you get in a job outside the home. Mm. 
um, when a, a little child is angry about something and they throw a toy or they hit their brother or sister or they mm-hmm. destroy something as a mother to sit down with that child and say, Hey, I know you were really angry about that. And let's talk about it and come up with different ways to deal with your anger. Mm. And that takes time. Mm. And it takes you not being on the telephone or on social media. Uh, It takes time for you to sit down and talk with your child and realize that a three-year-old can understand that. Mm. Um, And a three-year-old is fearful and can be lonely and can have anger and you can talk to them about it and they can talk to you about it. Mm. And to have, you're not going to have somebody telling you you did a good job, especially when your partner comes home and you haven't even started dinner yet. And the lunch dishes are still on the table and there's laundry to be done. And you've never got a shower that day because you oh. hit the ground running, taking care of a little one. And you just want to say, here, take the, take the child so I can go get in the shower and, you know, I'll see you in 30 minutes and, and we can regroup and connecting with other young moms that are kind of in the same boat helps a little bit. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's uh, several different um, community groups. There's mothers of preschoolers. There's the acronym MOPS Mm -hmm. and that's a faith-based group of young moms that get together and, Uh, I think it's on a weekly basis during the school year and you can talk to them and have some camaraderie. And if you're connected with your mom or an aunt or somebody that acts like your mom in your life, they can be helpful. Mm. Well, I love what you say about uh, women working in high powered jobs. You're, this is sad and hard to hear, but you're replaceable. But as a mom, no one can replace you as your kid's mom. And I think that's, you know, what greater purpose is there than to shape and mold that young little life. And one other thing, pivoting a little bit that I was just thinking about with young moms who are on the go, they don't have to be young. They can be an old mom, but (laughs) mom's on the go. (laughs) What would be some suggestions for quick, healthy snacks that they could have um, depending on maybe the kid can have solid foods at this point, what would be, you know, like, are we talking fruits? Like a banana? You said the kid can, can, yeah. right. You said can have. Yeah. Yeah. Fruits, bananas, pears, oranges, apples, berries. Is avocado um, good? Yeah. Avocado is very good. Thank you for mm. mentioning that. Avocado is good. Uh, olives. Oh, olives. Um, okay. That's good. I think that's helpful Um, to have some ideas of things that you can easily pack in the car. I know I actually don't eat out very often, if ever. um, And I bring my own food kind of everywhere that we go. So I have in the back of my car, anytime I know we're going to be gone for several hours, I'll pack the ice chests full of good, healthy food. And it just helps avoid any dire emergencies that would then result in me getting something that's subpar to eat. So there's another thought. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. And children also need to drink a good amount of water, good, healthy water. Mm. Is it a similar calculation? I think it's, what is it? Half your body weight and then in ounces. 
Would you do kind of the same yes. for a child? Okay. That's good to know. Right. And so for somebody that's not sure about that, if you weigh 150 pounds, half of that is 75. So you would drink 75 ounces of water a day. That's for an adult. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode. We love responding to your guys' questions. So please remember to email us at idkaskmymomkt at gmail.com. That is also in the description, and I also put in some links that we referenced in today's episode. Stay tuned for more episodes coming soon. Have a great day!